Welcome to the Cardboard Herald Reviews, where we give you audio versions of our game reviews, then go behind the scenes of our creative process. It's Jack from the Cardboard Herald, and this is another one of those special episodes where we're taking some of the audio from a video review and presenting it to you here. And there's more reasons to use it other than the fact that we're lazy and just want to reuse the content we create, even though that may be a part of it. But this is also something that I think there's value in talking about the process of making these reviews, and I have some interesting stories on it. So please enjoy this review of Dragon Dice if you're interested in the video review itself. I think the audio works just fine, but the video adds a whole lot to it, and you get a lot of great visuals to the game. Just find our YouTube channel. So for now, enjoy the review, and as always, I'll talk to you on the other side. Dragon Dice is the greatest game ever made, and nothing that you can say will convince 10-year-old Jack Eddie otherwise. And yeah, I've been off and on obsessed with this strategic collectible dice game monstrosity since its original publication way back in the 1995 days when it was put out by TSR, but it has been kept alive by the company SFR buying it from TSR, i.e. Wizards of the Coast, i.e. Hasbro, and they've kept in print old dice, put out new dice, new races, new equipment, new rules, which is probably the most important thing because now we have a new two-player starter set with the first edition of the 3.0 Dragon Dice rules. So we're going to be taking a look today at Dragon Dragon Dice as a whole, as well as how this two-player starter set works as an entry point to this dice-chucking dragon mayhem. In Dragon Dice, players match equal valued armies against one another, trying to win the game by either capturing two of the three terrains in play, or by completely eliminating your opponent's units. Each faction has several unique dice available to them, all with their own unique distributions of melee, range, save, maneuver, or magic successes, as well as its face icon depicting a rad line work caricature that counts as successes in whatever role you're making. The size of the dice, small, medium, large, or big bad nanners, correspond to values when building your army. Typical army sizes will be around 24 to 36, but if you and your friends want to go to town with 100-point armies, by all means, go for it. During setup, you'll split your armies amongst the three terrains in play, each player's home base and the frontier. The terrain dice have their own distribution of what actions can be taken and what sorts of magic they enhance, and the player going second gets to pick the frontier terrain. During your turn, you get to activate two armies at different locations, hopefully trying to maneuver up the terrain, as well as performing whatever action is on that terrain, magic, missile, or melee. Melee allows you to beat up on your opponent directly across from you at a terrain, but it leaves you vulnerable to a counterattack where they have the opportunity to hit you back for some pain. 
Ranged attack, which has no counterattack involved, allows you to shoot directly across or at opponents at neighboring terrains. This is a great option, but ranged successes are a little harder to get, unless you're my beautiful Amazons here, that is. And then the third option is magic, and magic has a wide array of various abilities referenced in the rulebook that are buffs and debuffs and direct attacks and movement and all kinds of cool stuff, including summoning the eponymous dragon dice. Once summoned, they stick around a terrain and get rolled at the beginning of everyone's turn attacking their own army there. They wreak havoc on every single unit and are terrifying. Dragons are awesome in this game. Now, all of this is in service of two different things. One, if you roll a terrain up to its eighth face, then you manage to capture that terrain. That gives you a wide array of bonus abilities depending on whatever the eighth face icon is and also allows you to select what your action is for the turn. You want to do magic, great. If you want to melee, also great. And of course, if you're Amazons, you're always going to want to range attack. Now, the second reason why you're trying to do all this is that the more units of your opponents that you kill, then the less power that they have to do anything to oppose you. And if you manage to kill every single one of your opponent's units, then that is a second victory condition for you to lord over them and laugh in their face. Good game, Dragon Dice players. There are plenty of more strategic elements to take into account, like what special action icons are on your bigger dice, kind of like special abilities that trigger during certain rolls, or retreating units into your reserves only to send them back out into a more concentrated force on later turns, to all sorts of buffs, debuffs, summoning, and general shenanigans that come out of using magic. For just being hordes and hordes of polyhedrals, there's a lot of stuff packed into Dragon Dice. The three greatest things about Dragon Dice are first off, rolling handfuls of dice. It feels really, really good to just chuck all these dice that are awesome custom dice with all kinds of cool iconography on them, full of flavor, bringing out the thematic elements of the world. I mean, it totally captured my heart as a kid to have these lava elves here that have little flintlock pistols as their ranged attack icons. How freaking cool is that? The second thing that I love about Dragon Dice is assembling your armies, is where you get all kinds of strategic value in the game. Not to say that it's on autopilot when you're playing. There's plenty of choices there, but thinking about your race and how their icons are distributed, what their strengths are, their weaknesses are, that's where a lot of the fun and meat of the game is. And I didn't even mention earlier how each race has some sort of default built-in power that makes them unique and special. Like the Amazons here on certain terrains, they get to count their maneuver icons as range attack icons, or the, the Feral who get to revitalize every turn and, and bring in dead units back into their army, or my wonderful firewalkers here who count their shields as melee attacks on melee rolls. It gives you all kinds of direction to play with. The third thing that I love about Dragon Dice is the importance of tactics over strategy. In this game, you're constantly going to be evaluating the board and making decisions based off of what is most advantageous at this moment rather than what your game plan was going in at the beginning. And that's going to be something that's inherent to any game that relies entirely on dice to determine where the state of everything is. But you can account for some probabilities and you can make cool moment-to-moment -moment decisions that impact the game. 
Now, that said, there are some reasons why Dragon Dice isn't the talk of the town at every tabletop gaming convention to date. For some people, the luck factor is going to be incredibly frustrating and an absolute deal breaker in this game. There are going to be times where you get really bad rolls or your opponent gets really good rolls and it could even happen in succession. Now there are plenty of ways to mitigate that, probabilities, try to make sure that the right armies are doing the right thing, but this is a game with a lot of luck involved. And if you can't roll with the punches on that, then you're probably going to have a bad time. Second, remember those tactical decisions I was mentioning earlier? Well, there is the opportunity in this game to gather up your entire army at one location, raising the face to eight, and then just hopefully waiting it out as you send dragons to your opponents. And if both players are doing this, then it can kind of create this game of attrition and a stalemate that's just waiting around for one person to get really bad rolls. And the last thing, was I mentioning luck earlier? Because luck is the word that you could use to describe your packs of dragon dice as you are buying them. Yet they are specifically affiliated with races and you are going to get certain distributions of the levels of dice with Within, but otherwise it is luck that determines what dice you're actually getting there and when you're building your awesome undead army and you're just wanting more draco liches in order to put in there because it would be an awesome addition to that killer army well you're going to have to buy a lot of undead packs in order to try and pull enough draco liches to meet your needs and this is 2018. There's better ways of distributing dice because I don't have unlimited time, money, or energy to dedicate to one single game. I just want to know that I have the comfort of getting that Draco Lich when I buy a specific pack. Let's figure out a better way to do this SFR. Whew, now that we know a thing or two about Dragon Dice, we can actually get into what's going on with this two-player starter entry pack. In the box, you get some pretty player mats that I could see being totally helpful for beginners, though admittingly, I never use them outside of teaching the game because I'm old school and like the dice on table look. You also get a really interesting matchup of Firewalkers and Tree Folk, two of the most distinctive factions in the game. You also get four dragons to summon to your heart's content, four terrains, and most importantly, this rulebook. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't really know how to play Dragon Dice. Well, I kind of knew, but mainly I just really liked awesome fantasy dice in this cool fantasy world and just kind of fudged my way through it with my friends. Now, when I came back to the game about eh, seven or eight years ago, SFR had already put out its 2.0 rules in this black and white monstrosity, a kind of Bible of Dragon Dice with every single individual little rule and every single icon that's ever been printed on dice referenced in this bad boy. It was insane and you had to have real grit and willpower in order to persevere and learn how to play Dragon Dice, which I did and it was worth it. But that is going to be a major roadblock and, uh, I guess, turnoff for a lot of people. But now with the Dragon Dice 3.0 rules published by SFR, they have a beautiful, colorful rulebook with all kinds of illustrations that are intuitive and smart and a great way to pick up and learn how to play this game. This is a great entry point with everything that you need to know with only the icons that could specifically be put on 
onto the dice associated with the two races within. This is a great learn to play guide that's written for human beings to learn how to play a game. Except one of the coolest things about Dragon Dice is the races and building your armies. That's thematic, but also strategic. And the racial abilities are what give you enough little thrust and direction in the game. And the racial abilities for the tree folk and firewalkers are not in here. They were determined to be too advanced for the learn to play guide, which I think is kind of a mistake because they're only like a paragraph long at most. And they could have been put in the back as an after the first game, try out the racial abilities for each of the races contained within because that's what gives them distinguishing flavor and personality enough little thrust that you could imagine how you're going to construct your armies around the strengths and weaknesses of each of the different residents of Esfra, Elsfra, whatever the world of Dragon Dice is. But I do recognize that they say that you can get the full rules available on their website and they do put them out there for free. So I encourage anyone picking up this two player starter set, which is the greatest entry point to Dragon Dice that has yet to be made. And you promptly go online, you find the racial abilities and you begin playing with them because that's a big part of the cool factor in Dragon Dice. I really like Dragon Dice, and while my interest in actually playing the game kind of ebbs and flows over time, it does always have a special place in my heart and in the freaking pantheon of gaming history. And no, it doesn't feel like a modern game. It's still essentially the same game that was originally released in 1995, except with all kinds of new dice and components and support available to it. But at its core, for all of its lack of innovation, it still is strategic, engaging, and fun. As far as the two-player starter set goes, yeah, I wish they included the racial powers, and yeah, I wish that it weren't sold in blind boxes where you were tracing down the rares that you really wanted to get, but this is honestly the best entry point with the best learn-to-play rules that has ever existed in Dragon Dice. So if you're just wanting to chuck some dice and have an awesome time with these killer little polyhedrals, then this is going to be the set to get into it. So that is the Cardboard Herald's review of Dragon Dice by SFR. What did you think of the review? Have you ever played the game? What are your thoughts on the game? Share in the comments below. As far as the Cardboard Herald goes, we have all kinds of other reviews, recommendations, interviews on our site, CardboardHerald.com, as well as the YouTube channel here, so be sure to subscribe. If you are interested in Dragon Dice, we recently did an interview with President of SFR, Chuck Pint, which you can find on iTunes, Stitcher, and www.CardboardHerald.com. You gotta imagine, like seven, eight, nine-year-old me. I don't know exactly what year I got introduced to Dragon Dice, but I know where it was. It was in Eagle River, Alaska, at 
Bosco's Cards, Comics, and Games at the Eagle River location, and I know that it was either Eric Helmick or Mo Marin, one of the two managers, and Mo eventually became my boss at Bosco's when I was old enough to work there, uh, who introduced me to this game. They must have seen that I was already interested in magic cards, and yet I was still an impressionable youth that would be interested in the shiny promises of deluxe customized polyhedrals and you betcha i loved dragon dice from the get-go in fact i tried getting all my friends into dragon dice one in particular my friend reed he was all about it with me he was all into the dwarves i was into the elves he liked the goblins i got the other elves it was a beautiful match and we tried playing dragon dice and never really understood and so we collected dragon dice and made several attempts to play and just kind of rolled dice until combat hits were successful enough to kill the opponent in whatever rules that we developed i ended up playing more and with official rules before tsr handed the game off to ssr uh, blah 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 ssr uh, ssr is a different thing sfr but uh, it wasn't until I had already moved to Juno and me and my buddy John got heavily into Dragon Dice. I was telling him about this game that I was into as a kid. And he was like, yeah, I remember that from like comic book advertisements and like Duelist magazine or something. And I was like, it was a cool game. Let's check it out. And to our surprise, it was actually a much more fleshed out game than anyone dared remember. And that was the SFR game. And it was awesome. And we became obsessed with it. Like we were playing it constantly, building armies and just buying more and more and more dice. And that's kind of the story of my reintroduction to Dragon Dice. We kind of grew out of it. It was mainly just him and I. We got a few other friends to play, but we were the, the main opponents there. And finally, we, uh, after moving on from it, I went to PAX Unplugged this last year. And lo and behold, SFR was there. And I talked with the president of the company, uh, Chuck Pint there, and we talked about the projects that the company's working on. We scheduled an interview. We did an interview for the Cardboard Herald, and of course, we did a review out of it, which is what this review was. And I had a blast just breaking out Dragon Dice again after not playing it for several years and just having so much more contemplative thought on a game and using different muscles that I wasn't really utilizing when I was just playing the game, coming back to it maybe six or seven years ago. Now, the Dragon Dice review here. I had a challenge on my hands because I wanted to successfully describe what Dragon Dice was as a game and give some context for why I have an affinity for it and why it's something that I really enjoy, but really explain that that's partly nostalgia, partly my personality, and partly because it has some really cool elements to it, but also successfully inform an audience who may have never heard of Dragon Dice on whether or not they might be interested in it, who might not have all of those qualities. And so I had to really focus on what are the core, like three elements that are really fun about Dragon Dice and what are the elements that I know are going to be turnoffs to people 
and then kind of explain why those are not as big of turnoffs to me or why there are other elements of the game that still make it worth pursuing to a degree. Now, uh, this also was kind of an awkward thing because this was a review copy of a game. I received a review copy of this Dragon Dice starter set. I already own tons of Dragon Dice. In fact, I'm looking at them right now. There are far too many of them on that shelf, but I can't bring myself to get rid of them um, because inevitably I want to play it again. Like I, I know that I'm going to want to break them out, and especially my son is all about looking at them and holding them and throwing them around. We'll get to actually playing them a few years from now when when he's old enough to even comprehend half the stuff I'm talking about in the game. But um, this is a review copy that I got from SFR, and I like those guys, and I like the story of the game, and I like the game itself. But I very much cared about calling out the game for some of the elements that I really don't like and some of the business decisions that SFR has made that I think hold this game back from being a better game. In particular, the fact that this is still sold in random packs. I don't think anyone really wants that anymore. And if it's a collectability thing, then that undermines its ability to be a sustainable game that people want to enter. And that was the feedback I got from the review as well when I was looking on Reddit or the comment section for the review itself where people were saying this looks like a fun game, but no thanks. I'm not going to sink a ton of money into something that I don't even know what I'm really getting. And I totally understand that. And that is my hesitance at this point as well from really getting back into it or trying to convince my friends in order to get back into it. Because there are so many great experiences that you can get just buying a fixed box. Even if it's an expandable card game or a dice game like Dice Masters is changing their business model in order to be fixed packs now. So I, I think the precedent is there. And if SFR wants to really give Dragon Dice the, the chance that it deserves, then I think evolving some of those business practices and kind of having that paradigm shift is worthwhile. Though it is, at its core, a very old-school type of game. I just think there there is a niche for that, and I think some people would appreciate that. There are certainly clunkier games that are more successful on the market uh, to date that are nowhere near as cool looking or have the awesome personality or fun factor of Dragon Dice. Now, the other thing about the review that I was really challenged with here is that I wanted to showcase these dice in the best possible way. And this is a little peek behind the curtain here. I use my iPhone camera for a lot of these things, and hopefully someday I'll be investing in an actual better camera, but lighting is very difficult and, and focusing on things in a depth of field uh, with the iPhone camera is very challenging. You can get like a flat surface, but being able to focus on uh, myself as well as something in front of me can be really difficult. And in this, I was really challenged with how am I going to show off some of the iconography on these dice? How am I going to show off them rolling, how they look on the table? 
And I think this review, more than any other review that I've done to date for video stuff, I've relied on overlays. And I've actually tried taking very dramatic pictures, uh, photographs that I really enjoy doing for my written reviews, um, taking really strong and harsh angles and then using some pan effects in the, the movie program that I'm using, iMovie, to create some really cool, sophisticated looks, or I think sophisticated looks. I mean, you know, who am I to critique my own work and call it sophisticated here? But, but I, I think successfully showcase what just looking at a die on the table can be. And I did overlays of some video stuff as well, but I think I utilized photos in this more than I had in the past. And so that was a development here. So that's about it. That's what went on with the Dragon Dice review. I still have those dice. I'll tuck them away for my son when we inevitably get to play someday. I'm sure that it'll feel even more dated at that point. But its core, its, its thing that it does, nothing else really does it. And I like that. I, that's the kind of dude I am. And so I have an appreciation for something that is of a time. All right, well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening to TCBH Reviews, and I hope to catch you on the next episode where we're probably going to do another one of our written reviews for our audio reviews here. We may even have something by Luke as our next one. I don't know. I'll see what Luke's up to. All right, well, thanks again for listening. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald. As always, the Cardboard Herald is a completely free service focused on spotlighting games, gamers, and game creators. You can find all of our podcasts, including the Cardboard Herald and TCBH reviews, on iTunes, Stitcher, and our website. For more recommendations and reviews, you can also head over to our YouTube channel. We do not pay to advertise the show, so please continue spreading the word, following, liking, rating, and doing all the social media things. It truly does help us out a ton. If you'd like to drop us a line and maybe have your listener mail read on air, find us on Twitter, at Cardboard Herald, or send us an email to CardboardHerald at gmail.com or click the contact link on our page. Once again, thank you for listening. I've been Jack for the Cardboard Herald, and you keep on gaming.